You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam, where each week we gather together to examine the foundations of our faith, to look at the impact our faith has on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, I'd like to welcome my new audience today. Seems like we just did this, but we're doing it again. Uh, The show has expanded. So, of course, we've been on St. Michael Catholic Radio in Broken Arrow since November. Uh, Last month, about a month ago, we started playing on Real Life Radio in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, And now we are also playing all across Oklahoma, the whole state, uh, on the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network. So we've got nine stations total now that we're heard on. Uh, We're in Oklahoma City now. Uh, Lawton, Prague, Bristow. I've got the other half of Tulsa now, so that's very exciting for me because that's, of course, my home right now. Uh, and so it's it's good to be able to encompass all those uh, who who share geography with me. Uh, we're also in Antlers, Elk City, and of course, uh, Broken Arrow and Lexington. So welcome to my new audience. Uh, for those of you who've been listening for a while, bear with me as I introduce them to our social media so that they can join us in our conversation there online. Uh, so you can find us and join the conversation at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. You can also get to us through Twitter. The handle there is at outside the walls, or you can send me an email directly. Well, that's not as fun because you don't get uh, all the other interaction, uh, but you can send me an email at outside the walls at timothyputnam.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Let me know where you're listening and what station you're listening on uh, as we continue to expand. Later in the show, we're going to be talking with Tom Grossman, the founder of the Apostolate Communities of Prayer uh, down in the Dallas, Texas area, another place I've called home. Uh, It's my goal to be on the radio in every town I've lived in. And that'll, that'll get us a, a good swath of the country because I've, I've moved around. I'm like Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started today. We're going to, of course, as always, open in prayer and spend some time in Scripture and uh, visit with a doctor of the church through his writings. So let's begin in prayer. Christ has made known to us the life that lasts forever. With faith and joy, let us cry out to him, saying, Lord, may your resurrection bring us the riches of your grace. Eternal Shepherd, look on your flock as it rises from sleep. Feed us with the word of life and the bread from heaven. Lord, may your resurrection bring us the riches of your grace. Keep us safe from wolf and hireling, and make us faithful in listening to your voice. Lord, may your resurrection bring us the riches of your grace. You are present to all who preach your gospel and give power to their words. Make us today preachers of your resurrection by our holiness of life. May your resurrection bring us the riches of your grace. Be our great joy that no one can take from us so that we may reject sin with its sadness and reach out to eternal life. Lord, may your resurrection bring us the riches of your grace. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God our Father, look upon us with love. You redeem us and make us your children in Christ. 
Give us true freedom and bring us to the inheritance you promised. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Our readings today come from the Saturday, April 18th, second week of Easter, and today's first reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 6. As the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve called together the community of disciples and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. Brothers, select from among you seven reputable men filled with the spirit and wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this task, whereas we shall devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal was acceptable to the whole community, so they chose Stephen, a man filled with faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. Even a large group of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. That reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 6. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 33. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Exalt you just in the Lord. Praise from the upright is fitting. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With the ten-stringed lyre, chant his praises. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death, and preserve them in spite of famine. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Today's Gospel comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. When it was evening, the disciples of Jesus went down to the sea, embarked in a boat, and went across the sea to Capernaum. It had already grown dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea was stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they began to be afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. They wanted to take him into the boat, but the boat immediately arrived at the shore to which they were heading. That gospel again comes from the gospel of John chapter 6. I love that statement there. The disciples saw Jesus and began to be afraid. They didn't finish, but they began to be afraid. Uh, If I were uh, three or four miles from shore uh, and saw someone walking on the sea, I think I would do more than begin to be afraid. But uh, that's how the Gospel of John brings it to us. Uh, such a miraculous story that it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to us. But I think that as we approach it through the context of where we're heading in prayer today, it might make a little more sense. We might come back to that if we have time. Today's reading from church history comes from a doctor of the church, Alphonsus Liguori. He's somewhat recent. Uh, He was born in the late 1600s and died in the late 1700s, about 1780. Uh, And so, you know, for us, as we look at the the scope of church history, that's that's 
practically yesterday. That's recent history. Uh, and so, but he, what he has to tell us about prayer today is uh, beautiful and encouraging. It comes from a very short book, about 50 pages, uh, called How to Converse Continually and Familiarly with God. Uh, if you can find that book, uh, I think it's published by Tan, Tan Books. Uh, it's well worth your time. We're going to grab some snippets here and there and piece together a reading from that larger work. If, as has already been said, it is a great mistake to speak with God with diffidence, to appear before him as a timid slave trembling with alarm before his prince, it would be a still greater mistake to think that conversing with God is wearisome and unpleasant. Ask those souls who love him with a true love, and they will tell you that in the sorrows of their life, their sweetest and truest consolation is to converse lovingly with God. Now, you are not required to apply your mind so constantly to prayer as to forget your ordinary work and recreation. Praying, always, means that without neglecting your ordinary occupations, you treat God as you treat the friends who love you and whom you love. God is ever near you, even within you. In him we live and move and have our being, as it says in the book of Acts. He who would speak to God has no door to open. God is pleased when you speak to him without reserve. Tell him of your business, your plans, your griefs, your fears, of all that concerns you. Above all, do so, as I've already said, with confidence and entire freedom. For God is not wont to speak to the soul that does not speak to him. In fact, being unaccustomed to speak to God, the soul would scarcely understand him when he spoke. It is the will of God that we remember his surpassing power and his rigorous justice if we despise his grace. But on the contrary, he wishes that we should treat him as a most affectionate friend if we love him, and that we should speak to him confidently and without restraint. Our God, then, dwells in the heights of heaven and yet does not disdain to occupy himself with his servants day and night in their homes or in their monastic cells. There he bestows on them his divine consolations, the least one of which surpasses all the delights that the world offers, and which he alone does not desire who has never tasted their sweetness. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is sweet. Friends in the world have generally certain days on which they meet and converse. On other days they are apart. But between God and you, if you wish, there need never be one hour of separation. Thou shalt rest, and thy sleep shall be sweet, and the Lord will be at thy side, says Proverbs 3. You may sleep, but God will place himself at your side and watch over you continually. I will rest with him, and he will be a comfort in my cares and my grief. When you take your rest, he does not leave your bedside. He remains there, always thinking of you, that when you awake in the night, he may speak to you by his inspirations, and receive from you in return some act of love or of oblation, of thanksgiving. Thus, he desires to continue, even in the hours of the night, his sweet and gracious converse with you. Sometimes also he will speak to you while you sleep, and make you hear his voice, so that in waking you may put in practice what he has spoken." He is there also in the morning, to hear from you some word of affection, of confidence, to be the depository of your first thoughts, and of all the actions which you promise to perform that day to please him, of all the griefs, too, which you offer to endure willingly for his glory and love. 
as he fails not to present himself to you at the moment of your waking, do not fail on your part to give him immediately a look of love and to rejoice when your God announces to you the glad tidings that he is not far from you, as he once may have been by reason of your sins, but that he loves you and would be beloved by you. And at that same moment he gives you the gracious precept, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart. That reading comes from a a little book, tiny little book about 50 pages long called How to Converse Continually and Familiarly with God by Doctor of the Church Alphonsus Liguori. I think on that, and you know, so often we we get caught up with the idea of prayer being an, an exercise or a discipline. Uh, we think of saying the rosary, or we think of uh, the, the liturgy of the hours, or some other deep uh, and, and maybe even time-consuming prayer. And those kinds of prayer are good. Uh, in the midst of those prayers, we learn so much about God and about ourselves. But that can't be to the exclusion of that ongoing connection to God uh, all throughout the day, just uh, the reminder that God is present with us, asking God uh, what he would like for us to do, listening intently for the voice of God uh, while still doing the other things that are around us. I think of, of those disciples out in the boat, three miles, four miles out, uh, feeling swamped by, their, by the task at hand, and Christ meets them right there in the middle of that task that's swamping them, that's overtaking them. Uh, And as they invite Christ into that task, not only does he come, but he brings them to the completion of that. Uh, Now, sometimes we have to walk through those hardships. Sometimes we still have to battle the storm. Uh, But sometimes when we invite Christ into the work that we have to do, he helps us bring it to fulfillment or miraculously brings it to fulfillment himself. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Tom Grossman, founder of Communities of Prayer down in the Dallas, Texas area. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Stick around. Welcome back. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad to have you back. We're talking today with Tom Grossman. Tom Grossman uh, is a friend of mine from a long time back. We actually were in high school together back when we both were still Protestants. Uh, And lo and behold, as we uh, were looking on Facebook, that that great... uh, connector of the world today. We were looking on Facebook about a few months ago and realized that uh, each other had become Catholic independently of one another. And uh, so we reconnected. Tom, welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Timothy. It's good to be here. So Tom, you are now, you're the director of Young Adult Ministry for Mary Immaculate Parish in Farmers Branch, Texas. Uh, and you're also the campus minister for the the school that they have there. But beyond that, you're the founder and director of Communities of Prayer, which is an apostolate that expands beyond your own parish and really goes in a whole uh, north 
uh, eastern region of Texas, uh, maybe even beyond that. So tell us a little bit about Communities of Prayer. Okay. Well, you know, my my story kind of kind of starts off, you know, back in our our days at our former church at Shady Grove, and uh, you know, part of part of my conversion uh, experience and story started there, where uh, they had this little uh, place called the All Nations House of Prayer, and during college, uh, I was a wrestler at the University of Oklahoma, and my dad had become. Uh, like the assistant director of this house of prayer, and they were trying to get college age people and young adults to come be a part of this uh, movement to establish uh, worship and prayer in this uh, prayer center. And so uh, I actually wound up taking a year off to do an internship at this house of prayer and started to learn how to pray, learn how to sit at the feet of Jesus. And um, a lot of the books on prayer that they were actually recommending were were Catholic books, you know, so your Thomas Dubays and, you know, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross. And so I just started kind of pouring into these books and, and applying them to my prayer life. And um, what, what happened next, uh, you know, over the course of the next three years is I found myself kind of, becoming friendly to the Catholic Church, and then um, eventually, through a friend of mine, uh, another classmate from Shady Grove, uh, who had converted to the Catholic Church, I found myself at a Catholic Mass where uh, the Eucharist was being distributed, and I decided, it was actually on the day of Pentecost, I was at the Pentecost service, I went up to receive uh, our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and when I did, there was this uh, profound experience of his grace uh, where I realized there's something to this. So I didn't think much of it, but a, a couple days later, I was just in my house uh, praying and fell asleep. Uh, and in a, in a dream, I actually went back to that church. And, and in that experience, I saw that there was a woman there distributing communion and when I was in the communion line, she looked at me, and I knew that she knew that I wasn't Catholic. <laughs> and so I'm in this place where I'm in the line, and I walk up, I put my hand out, and she places the host in my hand, and when she does, it turns into real blood. Wow. And I'm, I'm just blown away. I'm like, what is this? And I look to my left, and I see there's a group of young adults coming into the church. This is St. Joseph's Church in Richardson, Texas. And the sanctuary opens. I, I ask them, I say, what are you guys doing here? You know, it was in the middle of the night. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. They said, we're going to the house of prayer. And when the doors opened to the church, I saw people crying out to the Lord on a level that I hadn't seen before. But this was in the middle of the night, and people were uh, on their face. They were uh, participating in a level of Eucharistic adoration that I've never seen before in in the Catholic Church. And so as I began to become more aware of the early church fathers and uh, just what these, uh, the great history of prayer was in our church, um, my wife and I uh, decided to, to come on over to the other side, and I knew that there was something substantial in, in the Eucharist, and so I wanted to receive Christ uh, in that way, and man, it's been just such a profound experience. So through that experience, we decided to start a ministry called Communities of Prayer with the intention of helping parishes uh, develop 
a a prayer life you know the the people at the parishes develop a prayer life where they could come in and it could be centered around the gospel and so each week i like you know how you were telling me you're looking at the the, the scripture passages well we encourage people to pray using lexia divina eucharistic adoration the liturgy of the hours but we help open people's eyes to just the great mystery of prayer that we have been given uh from the church so we have our encounter program we do retreats uh, where we'll come in and we'll lead people through uh, an experience of prayer. And we have some amazing resources that actually take people through the Lexio Divina process and help them to journal so that they can kind of keep track of their thoughts. And we have people who have never heard the voice of the Lord where they're, they're listening and they're experiencing Him, and it, it changes their lives, you know. So that's, that's kind of the background, maybe a little bit longer than what you wanted. No, that's fine. You know, there's this, uh, there's this new kind of a movement it's a it's a small movement i would say but a definite uh, a definite movement in the protestant church moving towards this idea of continual prayer and so back in the 1700s my tradition the the methodist tradition was influenced by the moravians who were these german pietists and they were interested in this idea of praying constantly so they had these vigils set up where 24 hours a day there was someone praying and that's a, an idea that's taken off again recently. Uh, and so it may be something that, that's foreign to some of our Catholic listeners, but it has its origins in the Catholic Church with, uh, with the whole idea of uh, contemplative orders of uh, monasteries where they are dedicating their lives to praying for the church without ceasing. And right. so 24 hours a day, somewhere in the church, there's someone who's praying for us. Now, we've gotten to a place where we've relegated it to those contemplatives and it's, it's wonderful and right and just that they're doing that for us, but it's still our responsibility to approach God uh, on our behalf, on the behalf of those around us and just on behalf of, of that God desires relationship with us. So we're called to be intimate uh, in our conversation with God. Absolutely. You know, and and the the movement that uh, you know I was kind of a part of was a, was streaming from the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, which they've had a a prayer meeting going nonstop for the past you know thirteen fourteen years of just worship and prayer. So uh, and the interesting thing is is when when it comes to books on prayer, there's really not a lot of really just uh, powerful you know, uh, books, unless you look to the Catholic sources. And so in the training manuals and in the, the courses that they do at this International House of Prayer, they're pointing people to all these Catholic sources. And so you, you get a lot of the, the Catholic theology on prayer just mixed in. And it, it really, what it does is it, it helps set people up. <laughs> to receive the fullness of the faith. And so you have a lot of people in this movement that are asking questions like, well, what, what are the Catholics doing? And when we looked at the Catholic Church, we'd say, wow, there's this great tradition, but where is, you know, the movement to back this up? And so I think my desire with Communities of Prayer was to say, hey, let's, let's show Catholics what we already have, right. you know, and let's, let's get them on fire for the Eucharist. I mean, if we only knew... Uh, how much Jesus loved us in the Blessed Sacrament, St. John Vianney says we would die of happiness. 
you know, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing that, you know, the blessed sacrament, if we just had a concept or a revelation of how much he loved us in that place, you know, our, our chapels would be filled. Our churches would be filled because we would know that there's someone great and worthy there to be adored. And so I think, I think most of the time we don't come to the chapels and we don't come to the churches, um, maybe because we're not connecting you know, maybe we're not, we're not having that, that encounter with the Lord. And so what our resources do is we help break it down to like the childlike level. It's like, you know, what do children do? They ask, they ask questions, mm-hmm. you know, dad, what's this? You know, what do you, yeah. what do you, what does this mean? What are you saying to me? And so with Lexio Divina, you read a passage and you begin to ask those questions, you know, what are you saying to me, Lord? Um, and as you sit and are still and are quiet, the, 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 the school of prayer taught by Jesus, he begins to just pour his heart into you and that intimacy is developed. Yeah. And so it's a beautiful thing. And so we've, we've kind of taken something that's already been established in the Catholic Church and we just kind of made a way to, uh, to make it uh, more easy to grasp for, for today. You know, and, and it's catching on. We, we have small groups throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we're developing a way right now where parishes can train leaders and then orient their people and establish a small group program um, that doesn't take a teacher, doesn't take someone with a master's degree in theology. It just takes people who are hungry and want to go deeper in God. And this, this allows them, this Lexia Divina allows them to go deep very quickly. Yeah, you and, know, so. and Christ said to his, to his disciples that unless you come like a little child, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. And of course, in the reading we had in our first segment with Alphonsus Liguori, a saint and doctor of the church, he talks about what it's like to come with affection for God in the same way that a child comes with affection for its mother. Uh, you know, and that idea of the Eucharist being such a profound thing, I, I'm, I recall the St. Thomas Aquinas, towards the end of his life, uh, he had a, a profound mystic experience before the Blessed Sacrament. And when he was done with that, this, this great angelic doctor of the church who's given us so much of our theological framework uh, came out of that saying, everything I've written is a straw. Uh, it's, it's worth nothing. And he wouldn't write anything else after that simply because of the profound experience he had with Christ in the Eucharist. And yet we're so distracted uh, by maybe our kids being loud in mass or by uh, the, the accent of the priest or some other quirk that, that we're unhappy with. And we miss the fact that Christ our Lord, the majestic one, the one who redeemed all of creation, the one who by his very word created all that is, is right there with us. Uh, Emmanuel still today, God with us there in the mass. Uh, there in the host to be received by us. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Tom Grossman, founder of Communities of Prayer, an apostolate down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, We're going to look at how we can appropriate prayer more into our own lives. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Let's continue this conversation on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. You can also find us on Twitter. The handle there is at outside the walls. And let's talk about prayer. Today we're talking with Tom Grossman, who is the founder of Communities of Prayer down the Dallas-Fort Worth area. A high school friend of mine who converted uh, to the Catholic faith and is now uh, directing an apostolate there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and rapidly expanding. So it's something that we could see even in our uh, region here up to the north in Oklahoma. And we've also got listeners out in Kentucky. They can they can connect with you through your website, communitiesofprayer.net, uh, and get more information about how to, to bring something like what you're doing uh, to their parish, because you've got resources that they can appropriate in their own communities. Is that right? That's absolutely right. So you know, one of the things one of the things that we're doing here is is we're seeing that really intimacy with God is the foundation for forming disciples. You know, you you hear the the catchphrase going around right now in pretty much all the the uh, Catholic churches that are really intentional about forming disciples is, hey, we need to form intentional disciples. So right. uh, much of what we do really answers the call on that, because to, to be an intentional disciple, you have to be in love, head over heels in love with Christ, and then you naturally will go out and make disciples, and also you'll be uh, one that um, seeks out learning more about God and, and, and developing a relationship with Him to where you'll want to find out what it, what is this mystery uh, mm-hmm. about, this mystery of salvation and the mystery of God? What does it take to, to actually know Him better? And so to focus on intimacy is so important. So what our group does is, is we can come to a parish and we can lead you uh, in a parish mission or a retreat. Um, we work with youth, uh, young adults, um, and then adults. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, right now there's a big movement in the young adult uh, ministry arena with uh, people anywhere from, you know, 20 to, to 40 years old where they're saying, hey, you know, we're just not satisfied anymore. And so we've, we've started this movement of encounter. We call it encounter, where we gather together weekly, we reflect on the gospel. Um, we like to do this in the context of Eucharistic adoration. Um, so, you know, where there's parishes where uh, priests can help facilitate this, it's, it's, it's so awesome. But we get groups together and um, we, we worship the Lord uh, through the Blessed Sacrament. We reflect on, on His Word. And then we have a small group discussion. We meet in little small groups just to talk about what, what was God saying to you through this gospel passage? And you hear these different perspectives you know, on the gospel passage. Um, and it's just so, it's so awesome because everything, everybody is different, yet it all ties together. And what it does is it creates a depth right off the bat, a depth in Christ, a, a friendship centered around Christ. Um, and it's, it's just a really unique resource. Um, it's so simple. You know, if you saw it, you'd be like, wow, this this seems really easy because it's not like a, a a really detailed Bible study where we have you know all these notes and everything like that. It's just strictly scripture, um, an opportunity for uh, some reflection, and we kind of guide you through the reflection with these guides that we have. And then the small group discussion is based on that reflection. So there's not you know questions other than hey what what did God 
show you in this or what did you see in scripture differently and the conversation just goes on um, because the substance the substance is so rich and i'm i myself lead about five to to ten of these groups a week uh sometimes and i might look at the same gospel passage four or five times uh and it's like you know, I can I can come to it like, oh, I've already done this before, or God, what is in this that you want to show me? And yeah. every time He shows me something new, and it's 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 fresh. And so, uh, so that is that is one way with these resources, people can have us in for just a an event, or they can say, hey, we want to start something here at our parish that meets on a weekly basis. Um, or what some parishes are doing is they're saying we want to we want to do this uh, with our small groups and we want to kick off a small group program uh, to where people are being discipled on a weekly basis. They get together and they commit, uh, and uh, it's it's gonna. I really think that this is a key to transforming uh, Catholics from just being people who punch in and punch out at Mass to, to, to becoming a people that are head over heels in love with Christ and following after his mission. So we, we would love to partner with people in any way we, we possibly can. We have dynamic speakers that, uh, that can relate, you know, just the basics of prayer in a very deep way, but that allow it to connect with the hearts of the individual. And then we have groups of musicians uh, that can come out. So depending on your target audience and what you're wanting to do, really, we can fit uh, within almost any model, which is pretty, pretty unique. Yeah. You know, we, we get uh, so distracted by going to the store and taking out the trash and making sure the bills are paid uh, that we forget that we are not just uh, going through life but that we are engaged in a constant mission uh, and that that mission is encompassed in the prayer that we pray together uh, at mass and during the liturgy of the hours and, and countless other times, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that prayer encompasses what it is that we're to be about. And yeah, we've got to pay the bills and we've got to uh, make sure that the kids make it to school on time and that they, uh, they learn what they need to learn in mass. And yet we're called to be, a people of God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, holy meaning to be set apart. Uh, and so this is something that community uh, of, uh, communities of prayer offers. I love your tagline, uh, pray like a saint. And <laughs> yeah. It's just that idea that we are not destined uh, for day after day of paying bills and making sure that the trash gets taken out. We're to be about the mission of Christ to be in relationship with Christ. And we can only do that, as uh, we read earlier with Alphonsus Liguori, we can only do that through prayer. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, to live like a saint, we have to pray like a saint. And so, you know, the two, the two go hand in hand. Um, we, can't, we can't expect to live like the saints, and we have their icons and we have their pictures, mm-hmm. you know, up, up on our walls. And we, we respect them, and we, we are, are so taken by their lifestyles and how they were able to set communities on fire. But we have to re- remember that it was their life of prayer that fueled everything that they did. And uh, in the story of Mary and Martha, we see that Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and concerned about many things, mm-hmm. but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen rightly. And if you recall the story, you know, Martha was in the kitchen. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And she comes to tell Jesus, hey, tell my sister to help. 
And he says, one thing is needed, and what Mary has chosen will not be taken from her, because this is her eternal occupation. See, each and every one of us has an eternal occupation, and it's, it's rooted at sitting at the feet of Jesus and finding him in the place his glory dwells. And until we've tapped in to what we are really called to do first— then everything else is going to take precedent. And we, we just have, sometimes we have our priorities mixed up. And if we, if we had the priority on prayer and the priority on getting to know him, then he would do more with our lives on accident than, <laughs> than he ever could have with us being purposely, you know, out there trying to do things for God. It's like, it's like, man, he just wants people to love him. And then as people see you're in love, I mean, things just start happening. I don't think the saints had to like, like try real, real hard to set fires everywhere they went. I think that they, that was just a part of who they were. They were just on fire, and people saw that in their hearts, and they were like, "Man, I want to, I want to follow you. I want to be like that." And they were just like, "Hey, don't follow me. Follow Christ." And they were just pointing to him, you know. So, uh, so that's that's kind of what I, what I think. It's like, it's like if we want to live like saints, then we have to pray like them. And so that's the foundation for what we're trying to, to see established. And the way the saints lived is that they were constantly listening for the voice of God. First thing in the morning, they, they prayed, open my lips and, and, and my mouth shall declare your praise. They listened first thing in the morning and said, basically, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to see today? Who do you want me to encounter today? And then all throughout the day, they did those things. They took out the trash and they paid the bills, but their eyes and their ears were ever open for the nudging of God. And then they Absolutely. heard and they obeyed. They did that little thing. And what may seem insignificant to us, some insignificant little handshake or smile or, or beginning a conversation with someone by the side of the road, by the side of our path, all of a sudden turns into that thing which sets the community on fire. Absolutely. Uh, and that's really all it takes. Uh, Catherine of Siena said, if you will be who God meant you to be, you will set the world on fire. And Absolutely. If, and who we're meant to be is a child of God, listening always to the voice of our Savior and, and being ready to do that which he asks of us. Yep. And, you know, Catholics Catholics would agree with this this statement, I think, you know, when I when I go around and I hear... You know, Catholics talk and they say, you know, I I can't uh, I don't I don't feel like I'm good at studying scripture. You know, I'd I'd like to learn how to study scripture, or I I don't think I've developed a a language to pray. You know, I hear my Protestant brothers and sisters praying, and I'm so impressed how they can just spontaneously pray. Well, one one thing that uh, you know our our resources do is they teach people how to study scripture in a real um, simple yet uh, powerful way. And then also, as they're journaling, it helps them develop this language that they that they can uh, speak to the Lord and 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 hear what He's saying. And then all of a sudden, they're finding out, oh, wow, I can I can pray too with authority and with power. And uh, you know, not not only can they just read the prayers or you know or rattle you know rattle off a Hail Mary or Our Father, but now you know the Lord is inspiring them to pray in their own language. We're talking to Tom Grossman today, founder of Communities of Prayer. When we come back, we've got a giveaway that'll help you develop your prayer life. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Got just a little bit of time left together. Of course, today we're talking about prayer. We've been talking with Tom Grossman, the the founder of Communities of Prayer down in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and he has a a giveaway for us today. Uh, So what they're going to do is they're going to give away a small group package. Uh, We've got two copies of that, one for my Oklahoma audience and one for my Kentucky audience. Uh, And you can answer the question he's going to ask. You can answer by giving me a call at 918-928-KPIM. That's 918-928-KPIM. Five seven four six, and so this uh, this small group package. It's twelve guides, so it gives them the tools that they need uh, to to bring together some of their friends and and start a small group. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, really, really, with that packet of twelve, you could probably start two small groups if you wanted to. You know, uh, so so yeah, it's it's very convenient. So the question that I have. Uh, for the audience is what are the four stages of Lexio Divina? What are the four stages of Lexio Divina? What are the four stages of Lexio Divina? You can answer that by giving me a call at 918-928-KPIM and you will uh, win 12 guides of Lexio Divina. Uh, you can get the, the 12 guides on the mysteries of the rosary. You can do it on the stations of the cross. They've got the apostles creed uh, or the gospel. Uh, and so if you, uh, if you give me a call, 918-928-KPIM, tell me the four stages of Lexio Divina, we'll send a copy out to you. Now, if you don't win, if you don't get, uh, get in the call fast enough, you can find your own copies uh, at communitiesofprayer.net. In the online store, there's a little tab that drops down and it says uh, Lexio Divina Guides. Uh, and so I encourage you to take a look there at Communities of Prayer. They're doing great work down in Texas uh, and can really benefit you and your community. Uh, thank you, Tom, for coming on the show today. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Timothy. Well, we don't have a whole lot of time together, but I did want to go back and, and address something that Tom brought up uh, in his story, as he was telling his story of how he came into the church back in that second segment, he talked about when he was not yet a Catholic and came to a mass for maybe the first time and received communion. Now, I know we've got a lot of folks here that listen to the show who are not Catholic, and so I wanted to address that for you. Uh, the Catholic Church and the Catechism, uh, we talk about Holy Communion. It's uh, around 1398. Uh, that's the the paragraph we're going to read, but it starts before that and talking all about what it is that we believe about the Eucharist. Now, here in uh, paragraph 1398, we read this, the Eucharist and the unity of Christians. Before the greatness of this mystery, St. Augustine exclaims, O sacrament of devotion, O sign of unity, O bond of charity. Uh, So in the Eucharist, we are receiving, we believe as Catholics, the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of Jesus. It's not that these uh, these symbols of bread and wine merely uh, represent Jesus, but rather that through the prayers of the priest and the power of the Holy Spirit, those elements of bread and wine are transformed so that even though they appear Uh, by visual appearance and by the appearance of its taste, Uh, even though it appears to still be bread and wine, it has now changed. It's become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Uh, And so we believe very much that Christ is present to the point that 
bread and wine are no longer present. Yes, the physical properties are still there. The, the, the appearance is there. The taste is there. And yet what it is has now changed into body, blood, and soul, and divinity. Now, when we come to receive communion, because, of course, we don't take communion. We are given communion. We receive communion from the hand of the Lord. Uh, and as we receive communion, the priest or the deacon or the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion says, the body of Christ. And we respond, amen. Amen meaning indeed or truly or I agree. Uh, and so there's a, a multiple meaning to that. One, we say, yes, I agree that that is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ that I am now receiving into me to, uh, to affect and nourish my spirit. We believe that, but we also believe that we are in communion with the whole church, not just with Jesus. We're not just in communion with Jesus because faith and Christianity is not a me and Jesus proposition, but we are part of the body of Christ, the larger body that includes uh, the body of Christ, the church that's in heaven, uh, the church triumphant, as they're often called. We believe that we're in communion with the body of Christ still being purified in uh, purgatory, the, the church suffering. And we also believe that we're in unity and in communion with, uh, with the body of Christ here on earth, in union with the Pope. Communion means in union with. And so it's not just a, a sacrament of God's grace, uh, where, but whereby we receive uh, wholeness and forgiveness. It's, it's also a sign of unity, that we are in union with the church. And if we have removed ourselves from that union by way of uh, a, a block, a barrier, maybe mortal sin, uh, maybe uh, we have a block between us because we've never been in union with the church, there's some uh, theological difference that we hold separate, uh, then we would do well to not approach communion, to not make the statement, uh, amen, I'm in union with the whole body of Christ, when that's not the case. And, and so I, I recall my own journey coming into the faith. Uh, I asked that very question. That was something that was confusing to me. Uh, and yet, from the time that I knew, and I was aware that I was not supposed to receive communion, if I had gone forward, there would have been a sense of sacrilege in it, because I knew what it meant to the Catholic Church, and I thought that I knew better. Uh, and so I refrained. Uh, I refrained the eight months prior coming into the church, we would go to mass every week and I would simply cross my arms as I was in the communion line and I would present myself for a blessing and the priest would bless me. But we remember that God is merciful. And so if you know of someone who's receiving when they're, when they're not supposed to receive, they've not yet come into the church, uh, don't approach them and go, well, you're not supposed to receive. Uh, rather, we talk to them about what we mean when we say communion, what communion means to us. And we do that gently. We do everything uh, with gentleness and respect. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Join us next week as we talk with uh, Charles Beard from Catholic Worker Society about just structures and just wage. You've been listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.